the, the Bengali poet and social reformer, Rabindranath Tagore, wrote in one of his many fine poems, let not the hours pass by in the dark. Kindle the lamp of love with thy life. So I'm making that our invitation for today. Let's consider how we keep the lamp of love alive in our hearts. And let's keep that flame alight for one another, particularly when the going gets tough. I have forgotten to light the chalice flame, which I intended to do before the service began. So, let me light this flame now. It's small, but it's precious to me, and I wonder if it's precious to you too. It's a light here at Essex Church in London, where Kensington Unitarians have their spiritual home, and this flame is, is beaming out, a warm beacon a warm welcome to all of you gathered here in person, as well as to you who are joining us online today, especially our visitors from Brighton Unitarians. Welcome, welcome. And uh, for anyone who I've not met before, my name's Sarah Tinker, and it's really good to have you with us. Whew. Shall we all take a moment to gather ourselves here? In this present moment, Wherever we are and however we're feeling, whatever we're dealing with in our lives, let's know ourselves to be members of the human race and part of the great mystery that is life itself. And let's remember that this symbol connects us with the worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community a community that's encouraging people to make up their own minds about matters of faith with love and justice as our guiding principles for being there out in the world. I'll often say that this one flame, it represents the oneness of humanity living our lives within the oneness of all life forms on this our one planet Earth home. And that message of interconnectedness is expressed in our first hymn today, which you'll find as hymn number 134 in the Grey Hymn Book. All the words will be up on the screen for you to read. And the invitation is, of course, to sit, stand, sing, or simply listen along to this hymn with its poignant reminder that we are part of the greater whole. The first verse goes, Our world is one world. What touches one affects us all. The seas that wash us round about, the clouds that cover us, the rains that fall. Let's sing together.
we're moving into a time of prayer and reflection now. And there'll be a minute in silence in, in sympathy for those who've been so horribly affected by the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. So let's join now in a time of prayer and reflection. As I call on the divine spirit of life and of love to be with us now and to bless all we say and do together here this day. And as we sit quietly and turn our attention inwards and we focus our thoughts, what we focus upon is different for each of us. For we are unique beings and each of us has our own unique sense of that which we hold to be divine. Yet we share a common humanity and it is this common humanity that brings us concerns and anxieties, hopes and fears, gratitude and joy. This is what it is to be human. We care for others, both those close to us and those whose lives we hear of only in the news. We delight in the natural world with its rich gifts for our senses. The sounds, the smells, the tastes, the sights, the very touch of it all. And we have an idea that we can be greater than we sometimes are. And that there is perhaps something of the divine in each and every one of us. We sense mysteries beyond our comprehension as we look at the stars or gaze upon a flower. And we know the power of love to make a difference. Yet we know also the limitations of our powers and that we are sometimes powerless. And in the last week, many of us have been shocked and powerless observers of the effects of the earthquakes. So let us now spend a minute in reverent silence, acknowledging the suffering of so many people. May all those who have love, lost loved ones, suffered injuries, or are now working tirelessly in rescue efforts, may they be held safely. And may we who observe do what we can to assist them in these terrible times. 
May we know ourselves as part of a world community and remember that what affects one affects all. Oh, so let us pray for politicians the world over that they may hold power with awareness, aware of the power they have over the lives of others, aware that their vision may not be the only way forward, aware of and humbled by the enormity of the tasks they face in creating a world of justice and love. And may the peace and the stillness of this time and this place stay with us and strengthen us for the task of living our lives as people aligned with causes of justice and of love, now and always. Amen. So we're going to be uh, singing another hymn now. I'm going to suggest that we remain seated here in the church. Um, you've got it on a yellow sheet if you're here or it will appear on the screen at home. And we're going to hear it all the way through, first of all. And then there's a verse, and then there's a spoken piece after each verse. I think it will make sense. The spoken bits are in bold. Thank you. here when we find ways to open our hearts to love others and ourselves. Hope here 
when we find ways to connect with others and share our dreams. There is more peace here when we find ways to speak honestly of our inner turmoil. more joy here when we find ways to live our own lives in all their glorious imperfections, accepting too the imperfections of others. Thank you everybody for going with that one and thank you musicians. Uh, I've got a couple of stories now that um, they're the kind of spiritual teaching stories that sometimes just really um, catch my imagination and these two have been speaking to me recently particularly when I've been wanting things to be a certain way and then life has had other plans I wonder if that speaks to you in any way the first one's ever so brief uh, it's the story of the man who was so busy so very busy building a home for himself and he wanted it to be the nicest, coziest home in the world. And he took a great deal of care as he built his precious home. And then someone came to him to ask him for help because the world was on fire. But it was his home he was interested in, not the world. And when he finally finished building his beautiful home, he found with dismay that there wasn't much of a world left for his home to be in. It had all burnt down whilst he was busy thinking of his own hopes and dreams, busy building his own house without thinking of anything beyond that. And this is a story apparently oft told by the Jesuit priest, um, Anthony de Mello. It's such a simple reminder, isn't it, that thinking only of ourselves and our own interests is not all that sensible in this shared world. And this second story somehow fits our theme today. Um, and it tells of the young man who once stood on a street corner, opened his coat and said, look at my heart. Look at my perfect, perfect heart. And a crowd gathered around, impressed by the perfect heart. They stood in awe of a heart without blemish, perfect and complete in every way. 
And then an older man walked by, paused to see what the commotion was all about. And when he heard the youngster proudly crying out, look at my perfect heart, the older man pushed his way to the front to get a closer look. And when he saw that heart, he scolded him a bit. Hmm, that's not a perfect heart. If you want to see a perfect heart, you need to see mine. And with that, the older man opened his coat to reveal an old and knotted, really not all that good looking heart, full of bumps and holes, pieces of it are broken off here and there. And the crowd began to laugh, but the, the man raised his hand and began to speak and told his stories. Do you see this bump? That's when I met my first love. Oh, what a sunny day that was. You see that hole? Well, that's where things turned a bit nasty and we broke up. It pains me still, but the wound once ran much deeper. The years have managed to fill it in a bit. And do you see this? <gasps> this is a lovely shiny bit. This is where I found the work I loved. What a blessing that is. But then look at this scar because that's when the job became too much for me and I had to step away. Oh, and here is the sweet spot when I met my true love. <gasps> and here, here, look at this. This is where I discovered that I loved the outdoors and started to walk in the hills and enjoyed that fresh air. I can't do that now, that kind of walking, but look at this sparkly bit because that, that is where my memories are held of those favorite places. And this, this is where a piece has broken off. A beloved friend died. And yes, that aches. And of course, the story goes on. So many bumps and scratches and that silenced the crowd. So you see, an unblemished heart is not a perfect heart because it has not lived. It has not been touched with joys, and tears and laughter, love, pain and anguish, and hardship and celebration. Only when we live our lives to the full can we look upon a gnarled and battered heart and be able to say, yes, now this is perfect. Maybe let's take those ideas into our time of meditation now. The older person in the story we just heard had a heart shaped by their life experiences and by the loves they had known. So our invitation in this meditative time is to think of times in our own lives when love made a difference. That might be love we received or love we showed to another. Times perhaps when we found ways to love the unlovable. As we all circle around one another in mutual reciprocity in this experience that is life. My words will lead into a couple of minutes silence and that will end with a chime from our bell and then we're going to hear Elgar's timeless piece, Salud d'Amour, Love Letters. So let's do whatever works for us to enter a time of stillness, center ourselves, maybe feel ourselves Connecting with the earth beneath this. Maybe your feet are on the floor. You're aware of yourself in your seat. And taking one of those lovely breaths that allows us to release and relax. Maybe soften our gaze or focus on the candles or close our eyes, whatever works for you. 
Just allow that gentle rhythm of your breathing to help you turn inwards. As we consider times when love has made a difference.
We Do Have to Be Each Other's Valentines by Reverend David Blanchard. This reading is taken from a longer sermon. Sorry, but I'll start again. We Do Have to Be Each Other's Valentines by Reverend David Blanchard. This reading is taken from a longer sermon by Unitarian Universalist, say it, Universalist Minister David Blanchard and is written as a spiritual approach to celebrating Valentine's Day. Earlier on, he tells the story of his second grade class, seven-year-olds, where the tradition was to send everyone in the class a Valentine's card, however you felt about them. As an adult, he's exploring how loving everyone, including the people we find difficult, can be a useful spiritual challenge. The people we like are easy to love. They take us as we are, treasuring us for our gifts and overlooking our deficiencies. The difficult ones whom we do not like are the ones who come into our lives by design or by accident to teach us something essential about how to love others and perhaps most essentially how to love ourselves. A deep spiritual challenge that most of us face is seeking a spirit of unity with the people we find most difficult. It is often the last thing we'd want to do. I fail at it regularly. Eventually, I hope to fail less frequently. I am learning that it is not impossible, however, to achieve unity in relationship to those who bother us the most. There are a few basic disciplines that make it a less absurd concept to imagine. The first discipline is to be aware of judging. Our judgment is an unfair lens to use if you want to see the whole of another person. The second discipline is to accept the situation for what it is. Perhaps this is not a person we'll ever like, but here we are. We need to deal with it. Third, we need to be at least willing to see the good that exists in others. We need to challenge ourselves to be fair and open to more than one dimension of another. And last, the fourth dimension is to be prepared to manifest kindness towards these people whom we find difficult not because of what we know about them, but because of what we do not know. So I'm here to tell you that you do have to be each other's valentine. No exceptions. An old jealousy does not excuse you, nor does your position on politics or some other ancient disagreement, your seniority in your company, or your very judgments about each other. Those are all just smoke screens to keep you from seeing each other in your fullness and worthiness. Every splendid, grumpy, generous, judgmental, complicated, devoted, and difficult one of you had better figure out a way to be each other's valentines. If we can't find a way to do it for each other's Unitarian Universalists, I managed to say it that time, what hope is there? We are here to manifest for one another the love that we need most. And it may be that some of what we need will be delivered to us by the most difficult people we know. <laughs> ah, well, thank you for reading that, Liz. It, uh, those last lines, we're here to manifest for one another the love that we need most. And it may be that some of what we need will be delivered as, to us by the most difficult people we know. 
Well, these words need to travel around with me for all the times when people don't behave how I want them to behave. And for all the times when my lovely plans fall apart in the face of life's twists and turns. This service has the title, Love Wins, although I've added a question mark to it in some places. Those of you here in church with strong magnifying glasses might just be able to pick out these words on the, um, on the front of the order of service in the photo. But if you're listening at home, the script of this service is already on the website along with the photo. So you can have a closer look at it at some time. And for all of us who can't actually observe the love wins, let me tell you of um, a walk I took a few weeks ago on the southern bank of the Thames uh, in one of its less attractive uh, stretches. You know, those areas of like urban decay and post-industrial kind of dereliction in effect. And of course it has a certain charm all of its own, that kind of area. It's much loved by wildlife that can inhabit it a little bit undisturbed. We'd been looking at the shags, you know, the big black ones, or I never know if they're cormorants. Um, they're there with their black wings stretching out to catch the sun's rays. And then I saw it across the river, a rough piece of graffiti with those words on the river, on the wall of the river, love wins. Now, whoever had written that had made quite an effort to daub those words on that river wall. And I have to thank them for sparking a chain of questions. I immediately wondered who wrote it, why they wrote it, what led them to that idea. And, and strong as it sounds, love wins. I've got that kind of mind that immediately started thinking of all the situations in which love can quite spectacularly lose. And I imagine you will have examples in your own lives of times when love lost rather than won. Love wins. It's got um, it's got a bit of a similarity for me with that statement, a statement like God answers our prayers. It's aspirational. It may be comforting at times, but it's clearly not true. Bad things happen in this world, don't they? And not all stories have a happy ending. Our story of that older person that we heard earlier on with the imperfect heart showing life's knocks and wounds, it's a heartwarming story, but we know that actually life's damage can finish us off at times. It's too much, too great. And inspiring though David Blanchard is when he advises us to learn from the difficult people in our lives and love them for the teachings they bring us, Geez, sometimes in real life, we just have to back right away from people and draw some of those very clear boundaries that won't be crossed. So I'm personally fully in support of the idea of everyone being my Valentine, and I won't be putting that into action anytime soon. And yet, yet that message behind the idea of writing love letters to everyone, especially those who challenge us, that message is the message of mystical paths the world over. These are the teachings of the Sufis. These are the teachings of the Christian mystics. These are the teachings of Jesus. Love all. Love everyone. 
allow the power of love to infuse all our ways of being in this world. Exclude no one. And exclude no one because in truth we are all one. Our separateness, it's an illusion. And once we can move beyond the illusion of isolation and instead embrace the oneness of all that is, then everything changes. And love, love might well then be said to win. No hell, all easier said than done, I hear you muttering. Yep, this is a lifetime's work. Each of us at this moment could no doubt think of a handful of people we're not feeling love for. Even if our own personal lives are relatively steady at the moment, I imagine there will be the odd name from the past that still riles us, or maybe some larger group out there in the world. Assorted politicians, I offer you, both local and international, can usually be relied upon to raise a growl or a grimace for those of us who despair about their approaches to world problems. Now, one of the sources I have been reading this week, I have now lost it. It'll come back to me, I'll tell you. I had it earlier on. I'm going to wave it at you in the last hymn. It's, it's a slim volume, and there's a copy of it in the library. It's written by our very own Jane Blackall, and it's the dissertation that she wrote at the end of her theology degree, and it's called Models of God and the Meaning of Love. There's a task. Thank you, Jane, for reminding me of some inspiring academics, including someone called Sally McFaig, who might have come your way at times. She writes about the earth as God's body. I'll quote this. Actually, it's in the list of quotes that are um, on your sheet. And if you're at home, you'll find those um, quotes on the website if you'd like to look later. So Sally McFaig writes, I came to see how loving the world is loving God. I no longer see God as off in the sky, but as the spirit of the body we call earth. God is always everywhere with each and every smidge of creation as the loving power of life to all in their sufferings and their joys. That's Sally McFaig. This combining of our spiritual ideas with the life of our planet Earth home, oh, doesn't that seem to have ever greater appeal for those of us who are so concerned with the effect of our human lives on our blue-green planet home? So precious, so very crucial to our own health and well-being. So in the days ahead, well, let's allow love to be our teacher and our guide. We'll have to be brave. There's a, a quote on the front of the order of service today from Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, reminding us that love will prune us and shake us, will dig down to our roots and give us a shaking ever so often. Even as love is for your growth, so is he for your pruning, he writes. Even as he ascends to your height, and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. That's from Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. Let's not be dismayed, though, by love's challenges. Let's be willing students and be open to the lessons that remaining open-hearted can bring. 
And shall we all write some Valentine's messages this week? But don't bother with individuals. Let's write our Valentine's messages to our world with all its problems and its painful aspects. And let us be the writers of messages of love. Salud amor. Amen. And in case we need a little bit of guidance about how to do all this, our closing hymn tells us exactly what's what. It's called Love Will Guide Us. Um, you'll find it as number 131 in the Grey Hymn Book, or the words will appear on the screen. Love Will Guide Us. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, well, announcements now. A big thanks to our musicians, uh, George Arland and Abby Lerimier, who've played so beautifully for us today, and we've not heard the last of them yet. Wait for the final piece. Thanks also to our um, brilliant tech team of Ramona Christia here in the church and Janine Powell there at home, sorting everything out for folks. We couldn't do these services without you. Thank you, Liz, for our reading today. It's really nice to have another voice. All the other notices are on the back of the order of service sheet. Um, there's an invitation to have tea and coffee here in the church or in the garden afterwards, or do stay online and have a chat with people. You don't have to dash off. Um, we're always looking for volunteers for tea and coffee making and greeting. So let us know if you can do that. Um, you probably all know about heart and soul, but it's a wonderful way to gather a little bit more intimately online and share a contemplative practice together. So there's details of that. The theme this week is impact. So that sounds interesting. There's the coffee morning on Zoom uh, each Wednesday. We've got Sonia, 
our very own Sonia and Nia Clances, both online and in person. It's in person here at the church on uh, Fridays. You're very welcome to that. And uh, next week, Jane will be with us again. And there's also going to be Margaret Marshall's singing class here in the church. So do come along to that. And I found the book, everybody. So just so that, yeah, look at that. The answers to everything about love and the meaning of life, love and God is in that book. Highly recommended. And we'll be ending today our final piece of music. You may recognize it, and it tells you the truth about life, which is that all we need is love. And you're ever so welcome to join in and sing that if you would like to, karaoke style. But first of all, um, our closing words. These words um, from an old chant that um, is one I love. It brings us a blessing of springtime as the days lengthen and the warmth just starts to return to the sun's rays. May the long time sun shine on you, all love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way home. And may love be your companion and your teacher on the road that lies ahead. Amen. Go well, all of you. And blessed be.